Okay, <laughs> we're excited. Yay, we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Eva Lee, and I'm here with Awesome Careers. I just wanted to thank you all so much for joining us today. We're going to be spotlighting a new career. Um, something actually, I would say this career is something that many of us know already uh, and is dear to us because we all grew up with one is a teacher. And I have my wonderful friend here, uh, Linda Tao, who's going to be sharing about her experience as a teacher. Um, just to give you a quick idea of who Linda is, Linda has been teaching for over eight years and in the field of education. Um, she actually went to Fresno State where she earned her Bachelor's of Arts in Liberal studies in her master's in education with an emphasis on curriculum and instruction. Of all the many hats that she wears, Linda is very passionate about motherhood. Uh, she's the founder and host of Circle um, of Mothers, which is a podcast dedicated to empowering mothers. Um, she is also a mom to three boys, a six-year-old, four-year-old, and a two-month-old. Um, when she is not with her children and husband, she finds joy in reading and writing. One of the things that Linda wanted to share about also that I think would be helpful for folks to consider is that teachers are not babysitters. Um, our nation has narrated in the past. Teachers are a powerful force in creating leaders uh, of tomorrow and instilling hope in our future. So we're going to hear from Linda about what it is, you know, what does it take to become a teacher? What type of career is this? So hopefully if you have questions, go ahead, pop them in chat. And again, if you are here with us, whether you're live or on the on or catching us on the replay, um, chime in. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And I'm curious, did you ever have a teacher that you were fascinated with, where you really admire them for the help that they helped deliver in you, your skills? Did they teach you something? You're like, oh, I just really love that, and I really enjoyed that course. Uh, Aliyah's here with um, uh, from Fresno watching. Appreciate that so much. And she was there on our last podcast. So if you're interested in learning more about her work and becoming a library, feel free to catch that on the live stream or I'm sorry, on the replay on YouTube as well. Okay. Without further ado, let's jump on in and bring in Linda. Linda, <laughs> how are you? I'm good, Eva. How are you? Good, good. All right. We have about an hour. There's a lot of questions. We're going to jump right into it. Um, but hopefully you're safe. I know that we've been having a little storm out here in California. So hopefully everything's well. <laughs> everything's perfect. I'd say, you know, the rain, we need the rain. And then, you know, we have sun afterwards. And so my son and I, we've been going out for walks. So it's been perfect. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. We're going to jump right into it. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like, how did you get started into teaching? How did you know this was going to be the career path for you? Or how did you make your way to this career path, essentially? Oh, man, a little bit about myself. You know, I'm always struggling with this here, right? Because I don't talk about myself very often. I mean, we don't talk about ourselves very often, so it's kind of hard to do that. But I think you've captured who I am in kind of a, in a nutshell with that bio. Um, and so let's see, how did I get started with um, teaching. I think it's something I just kind of discovered along the way. I'm smiling because I see one of my students says, hi, Mrs. Tao. And so that's my a student from five years ago, and they're awesome. So yeah, I think it's something that I just kind of picked up along the way. I've always known that I wanted to be a teacher, right? But it's not something that I wanted to do. You know, it's just as a little kid, you know, they often ask, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'd be like, a teacher. And the only reason why it's because I love reading. And so one of my favorite things about school when I was younger was going into the library. You know, the librarian would read you a book and then, you know, the librarian would open the book and just show it to the whole entire class. And so I was like, I want to be that when I grow up, I want to hold the book and read it to my students and, you know, just show the you know pages in the book. And so that's why I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And that didn't really, you know, I, it, it didn't really speak to me until later on in college. 
<laughs> so that's pretty much if anyone's watching the Vanna White of teaching. <laughs> if you know who Vanna White is, <laughs> she's the lady from the uh, Wheel of Fortune and she goes to touch the screen. She does display. <laughs> but it sounds like that is something like that's how you got into teaching. If you saw someone actually demonstrate right. what it will look like, you know, whether it be in the classroom or in this case, the library setting. So that's wonderful. We have some folks here. Hey, Chris is watching from Colorado. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for joining. And in a few weeks, we'll we'll have Chris, uh, Chris come on. She's going to talk about her work as a choreographer. So stay tuned for that as well. Okay. Now, you mentioned a little bit more. You know, uh, well, I would say, like, what do you do in case in this case teaching for your organization or in the school? Uh, what grades, for example, do you teach? What grade levels and what type of students? Mm -hmm. So I've worked, um, I work for Fresno Unified School District and I school oh. and repeat that one more time, Linda. I think we, we, <laughs> oh my gosh, before, can you hear me, Eva? Yep. We can hear you now. Can you hear me? Okay. Be okay. Before we do go on though, the I see our kids screaming in the back. Those are my kids. And so, yeah, I do work for Fresno Unified. I've been working with them for five years. Um, I teach seventh graders in a Title I school. So that's what I've been doing. Um, what is my role? I think just everybody knows what teachers do, right? Or that's at least everybody, you know, they think they know what teachers do. And I think we are, when we think of teachers, we think of somebody who is in front of the class talking to students and pretty much just delivering content, whatever content that is. And so that is what I do, right? I do stand in front of class, a class of like um, 35 students. And these are 11, 12 and 13 year olds and pretty much just teach them science. So I teach science, just general science, right? It's not something that is in depth, like for, uh, for example, biology, chemistry. So it's just general science. And so that's what I do. It's really wonderful, and I don't think we see a lot of folks in the STEM area or teaching STEM. Uh, traditionally, we'll see a lot more folks in the liberal arts side, so that's really fascinating. And I, what is it? So I'm curious, as now that we've gone to, you know, we're in the pandemic still, since you moved into, again, also potentially working remotely um, because of the classrooms, um, and how do you handle teaching remotely versus in-person? What was that transition like? Um, what are some of the challenges you face right now as a teacher when you're teaching remotely? Oh my goodness, it's so challenging, you know. I, I question, you know, with the pandemic going on and all this online teaching, I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is not why I went to teaching. I didn't go into teaching so that I can teach. Okay, that sounds funny coming from a teacher, but I really didn't go into teaching because I wanted to teach. I went into teaching because I wanted to connect with the kids. You know, I wanted them to have an adult there that they could trust. And so now we're online. I still have about 200 students and more than half of the time their cameras are off, you know, and again, I work in a tight one school. So pretty much what this means is that more than 90% of our kids come from low socioeconomic homes, right? Uh, low income, um, probably from foster care, homeless, you know, and so you have, again, more than half of the time the kids' cameras are off. And so connect, connecting with them is nearly impossible. And so it's so sad because I've only connected, I would say, maybe with, gosh, I have six periods or six sections. So I would say from every class, I would connect with three students. And so 18 students out of 200, that is horrible. You know, I, I think I'm being tough on myself, but I think that's one of the challenges right now because I, I, I think I'm a natural when it comes to connecting with my students because... I love my students and they probably, if they're listening to this, they're probably like, no, we don't like him to but I think that my <laughs> students love me. And our classroom is always fun. You know, our classroom is always fun because I always prioritize relationship over content teaching. 
And so now that again, we're doing remote learning, oh, it's horrible. It's, so it's the last one right there. I think we just lost you there for a second there. Oh, I just said that it's horrible now that we're doing, you know, it's horrible because you can't make that connection. So it's, it's a huge challenge right now. So I'm wondering, because it's such a, do you think this is something that many teachers across the board are experiencing? Is the remote teaching? Definitely, because, you know, teachers we meet often, we meet like once a week, twice a week. And so we all share the same concern. It's, it really is, you know, oh, the kids don't have the cameras on. Oh, you know, we have this kid who is struggling socially, emotionally, and we can't provide them the help they need. You know, with the cameras off, you actually can't identify who needs support, you know, and not only that, more than 90% of my students have S. So that's very sad, very sad. And what I'm wondering, um, what do you, what is your thought about the next generation of teachers that they might have to consider? Is this a new skill set they'll have to learn and pick up if they're interested in pursuing a career in teaching down the road is how to teach remotely essentially? Right. I would say fortunately, because technology is such a big thing right now. And I would say, you know, our younger generations are probably more equipped with technology than we are. So I'm not really concerned that if they have to, you know, if this is the new teaching, I'm pretty sure that they won't struggle. They will know all these amazing programs and they'll know how to handle and deliver it way better than I, I am. Because what I'm seeing with this is that a lot of our veteran teachers who have been working, you know, for 20 plus years, it was a, it's a huge struggle for them, you know, because now before, before our, our, my school site, the principal, our admin tried to push um, technology, right? They tried to push that into the curriculum. And, you know, ad administrators, they're always getting pushback, right? And so some people weren't open to it. They didn't want to do it because, you know, you're so comfortable for the last 20 years. Having to try something new, it's very scary, you know? And then this pandemic happened. It's like you don't have a choice. And so now, you know, I see them jumping on, struggling. But then the best thing about it is that now, Many of them are comfortable. And so that's the best thing about it. But yeah, yeah definitely the learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, definitely the future generation is to be, you know, learn. I, again, I'm not concerned because they're really tech savvy. But again, the, the the difficult part is just the the connection. They really they would have to if, if you're going into teaching because you want to teach. That's great. But you have to be more passionate than just teaching. You have to be passionate about the kids that are sitting in front of you, right? Because you can come in with a master's, a PhD, but if you can't connect with these kids, they will not learn anything from you. That's so key. So connection, human connection, absolutely. And be very passionate, understand your client, or in this case, your student, right? Understand right. their needs, their challenges. And being able to, I think right now, um, across the board is like being able to empathize with them, that they're going to struggle right. to learn also from you. That's right. so true. I'm going to pop them real quick. Uh, is it Moha? You're awesome, Linda. You care so much about your students. They're so lucky and blessed to have you. There you go. Thank you, Moha. They will now give a hundred percent without that relationship. Yep. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, we got more questions diving in. Okay. So how would your parents' family describe what you do for a living? Do they understand that you are a teacher? Does the kids understand that mom's a teacher also? <laughs> Yeah, you know, my my own kids, they know that mommy's a teacher. They know that mommy's a teacher. Um, and then my my I would say my parents, they they have the same, you know, when it comes to teaching, it's kind of like the same idea of, 
you know, the general society that, oh, she just teaches to kids. You know, she just stands up there and talks to kids. And so that's what my parents think. Oh, you're just, you know, right? <laughs> you know, and then the, the thing is that my mom, she does feel like I go, you know, I'm going overboard. I'm doing too much because I do do a lot with my kids. And so my mom would always say, Hey, you know, they're paying you to only teach. You know, because unfortunately, we didn't have a new year this year, but every year uh, I do have a group of Hmong students. We have a Hmong club and we would go out to the new years. I would take them to places and I would have like a, at least 10 students. And so thankfully I would have these supportive parents who would help me drive the kids around. And so before my mom would always tell me, oh, don't do that, don't do that. You know, they're not paying you for that, don't do that. And so she thinks that you know, teaching, all you do is you're standing there and you're teaching. But again, that's not it. <laughs> Or the other pieces, teachers are giving a lot of free work, like free, your free time, essentially, right? And right. I think that's the sort of like the horror stories when we hear about teachers is like the, the cost expense to teach, you know, it's, right. you don't have enough resources in the classroom to give all your students the same resources. Not everybody can afford those five, five color <laughs> markers, you know, and right. so you struggle, you end up spending, I'm hearing is that teachers end up in a year supplying your students with all of these equipments and tools because you want your students to be successful. Have you ever had that experience where you had to cut it into your own budget? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. So, you know, in my first year of teaching, I was this, you know, I didn't feel, I don't know what it was, but I had like so much energy. You know, I was never tired. I had all these great ideas. And because I teach science, I would go out and buy, I, I really want to do lab with kids because I believe that they learn best when they can apply it, you know, but if you're just talking, 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 some kids, they can't, they don't understand what you're talking about. And so I, I want the kids to do lab because I want them to understand. And so I would go out and buy things just so we can do lab in the class. And if you think about it, I have at least 200 students. And so that's like 35 kids per class per section. And so, um, yeah, it, it would cost a lot. And so I totally understand why some teachers, they opt out of doing lab. And, you know, when Ammon asked me to do so, you know, they would always say, well, we don't have the equipment. And it totally makes sense. You know, I'm not going to ask my colleagues to, hey, well, I'm buying this stuff. You should buy this stuff, you know. Right. And then also, I think that you mentioned, like, you know, how some students are like being a teacher. You really do. I think you, you capture right there. Understand how your students are learning. Everyone learns very differently. And what is something that you notice over the year in your years of teaching? How do you support their learning when you realize you have a student who's probably a super achiever who could probably do it very easily versus a student who's struggling. How do you balance that? You know, I think what has worked for me, it's because again, I, I think only for me, because I really, really prioritize relationship. And I think it, what I love about my classroom, when we're in the classroom together, my students, this, I hope this is true. I hope I'm not just not speaking from, you know, oh, this is what I see, but the kids are like, oh, nope, but I hope this is true. You know, I have kids who are super high achievers or students who are really, really good, right? And then I have the kids who are struggling coming into the classroom at a second grade level. And I think because I tried my best to connect with each kid and allow them to speak in the class without being judged, right? Without being laughed at. So we create this safe place in our classroom. And so I think I'm able to reach to every single one of them, even the kids who are struggling, eventually, you know, they're shy, but then they start to open up. And I'm not saying that suddenly they have an A plus, but they're willing to do the work. They're willing to learn. And so that's, you know, that's, I, I feel happy about that. You know, I feel like we're successful as a class. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really hard, but the relationship, again, I think that's what it is that puts the kid, they know that you care for them. You know, you're not trying to just, you don't see them as a number. You're not just trying to get them to, um, 
pass the class, so you'll look good. They know that Miss Tao cares about me. She really wants me to succeed. And so they, they give me their best also. That's really good. And again, that building those relationships is so important. It's very key um, to the student's ability to be successful, right? And their comfort and being really authentic with you and realizing I need help and I'm willing to right. learn. That's so mm -hmm. good. And I think that goes back to really quick about what do you love about your job, right? What is it that you're like, you know, I just love doing this. I can do this over and over again. Um, when you wake up and you think about your job, does it excite you? Everything for me comes down to my students. It's the students. If, if you know, like, so, so again, because of the pandemic, I'm like, I, if this is teaching, I don't want to do it because I don't see my students, right? I'm not helping them. I feel like I'm not helping them. You know, teachers, when I share my experience with my colleagues, they tell, they tell me that, you know, you're being too hard on yourself. Like my, my husband, he would tell me, you're being too hard on yourself. You know, every teacher, they're experiencing the same thing that you are, you know? And so I, the best part about my job are just the students because I'm so grateful that I spend eight hours of my day, eight hours or more of my day <laughs> in the classroom with kids. You know, I'm talking to them. They're talking to me. I'm socializing. We're having fun. And so that's the best part of my job. But again, now with the cameras shut off and when you call, you call out to them, nobody talks back to you. Mm -hmm. It's like, OK, all right. I'm talking to the computer. And so, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely my students. That's what I love the most about my job. That's so good. And absolutely, I think right now it's in where many people are on the Zoom meetings, right? They're in this, these long, I would say even for children and, and youth, to be on a screen for 30 minutes or more is really hard for folks to maintain their attention span. Mm -hmm. And so I, I hear the outcry, you know, where right now where parents, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, many parents and teachers were struggling because this was entirely new. Um, and I could see that, you know, it's still a struggle. It's still, uh, you may have all the classrooms available. You may have all the screens available, but there's even issues like, for example, like Wi-Fi, you know, uh, or the computer. Not every student at home has a computer. So right, the equity right. access and resources is a challenge across the board. Right, um, right. It really is. I mean, it's really, really sad. You know, every year you're hearing about kids who are coming from a broken home. You know, again, kids who are in foster care, kids who are homeless. And I'm constantly thinking about these kids. How are they doing it? You know, we've got to give them some grace. We've got to understand where they're coming from. Because, you know, we're like, oh, we're struggling as teachers. But I'm so sure that our students are also struggling. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember once upon a time when I was doing grad school, I had this little boy. I was working in um, a, about a few weeks in, in a school, small elementary school. And this little boy would only, uh, you know, during lunch, they're supposed to eat lunch. But instead of lunch, he would put his food away and hide mm -hmm. it. And I didn't understand why he refused to eat lunch. And then I realized later on, because he had no food at home, so he would save lunch. So that way, when he gets home for dinner, that's what he actually ate. It was such a, like, you know, again, as you are working with youth who come from these type of communities or places or uh, structures, they, you know, you as a teacher, you really have to pay attention to, like, their body language, you know, why they refuse right. to do certain things. It's not because of, like, oh, I'm bored and I'm choosing to refuse to do it. It's, you know, really, it's, right. there's, there's certain circumstances involving their experiences. And, you know, being a teacher, when you're there 40 hours a day, like you, you know, you mentioned like 40 more, eight hours a day times five, that's 40. And then you could be, you're like the only person that's consistent in their life. And it's such important value. I would say it's such a privilege to be in. Absolutely. Um, and I think that makes it so powerful teachers have in a child's life or anybody's youth. 
really quick. Oh, uh, yeah, it's so grateful for teachers like Linda. I know, right? Wouldn't it be great to have, to, I'm like, I'm hearing Linda's story and I'm like, oh my gosh, you would have been a perfect, awesome teacher to go like, <laughs> like in high school for me. I would have loved that. <laughs> okay, we have questions to push through. All right. And I think we mentioned it earlier about the challenges, right, about teaching right now. And but if you weren't teaching remotely, what would you have said like the number one challenge would have been? Linda? I would say so, you know, again, a lot of people think that when students come into your classroom, your job is to you stand there and you're teaching to the kids and they just all soak it in and they should just all pass. Right. And if they fail, it's because you're a horrible teacher. Right. But that is not true, because one of the most challenging thing is that. Again, I have a classroom of the most I've had was a class of 39 students. You have 39 mm. students. I know mm. it's yeah. Or Linda, really classy there for oh. a bit. Can we repeat that one more time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a classroom of 39 students, right? Just imagine you have 39 students with different personalities, you know, different levels, and you know, they're they're coming in with you know at a different level. Again, you have second grader, some a seventh grader coming in at second grade, and then you have a seventh grader coming in at ninth grade. And then again, you have kids who are coming in with um, you know, broken family, kids who are in foster care, you know, and then you just have kids coming in with a ton of, you know, background, different backgrounds. And so you're trying to meet every single one of these kids' needs. It's extremely challenging because we are not offered, I I would say teachers, we, we are not offered the tools to support these kids. And you know, when I was in the classroom, what I would typically do is I would break up my kids into groups of three. You know, what I would have students who I give them the choice because I never want them to feel like, you know, oh, this is the stupid group. This is a smart group. I never want them to feel like that. Right. And so I would give them three choices, you know, one choice, you can work by yourself. And guess who choose, who chooses to work by themselves? The kids who are A plus, right? Because when you're an A plus student, you're like, I just want to get this done out of the way. I don't need anybody to work with me. And then the second group, I would tell them, hey, you can choose to work with a partner. And so now, you know, you will have kids who are friends and typically you will have me, sometimes you won't have a kid who's really smart and a friend who's, you know, like the goofy one who doesn't really care. But when they work together, then the other one keeps this one response accountable, you know? Mm -hmm. And then my third group, I will tell my kids, hey, since you're all gonna be working, I will just be available standing here. So I'm gonna have a third group. And if you want my help, you can come sit with me. And so this here really allow the kids to, you know, at the beginning, again, they're very shy about it because they don't want to appear as this stupid group, right? But eventually when they join the group, they realize that, wow, Ms. Tao makes us feel like, you know, we're very included. Ms. Tao gets our work done, you know? And so they all jump in. Even sometimes I want to have the A plus student be like, Ms. Tao, can I just jump in and do it with you? Because you guys all get always get the work done because we always get the work done before group one and two, you know, the, the smart groups, you know, we always get it done before they do. And so, that's something that I've done and it's worked a lot, but it doesn't, you know, it's not going to work for every student. And so sometimes I would have to offer after school, you know, my time after school to help them or even during lunch. And so, yeah, that's one of the biggest challenges. You're just, again, meeting these kids with just different needs. And especially if they throw in kids with, uh, you know, special needs into your classroom, how are you going to meet every single one of their needs? You know, that is the big one. Yeah, that's really hard. And I think like you know, you're giving so much of your time. You're giving up lunch. You're giving up after school time, which we'll probably come back at the end to kind of ask the, a little bit more about the, that balancing hat, you know, of like how do you be a teacher Monday through Friday, you know, seven. I think it's seven thirty or seven a.m. in the morning, right? And then going all the way until four o'clock, and even in some cases five and six, and then also get home for dinner, gotta cook for your babies, right? And then get getting them ready. Oh. So we're gonna come back to that. Save that. That's the mom question. <laughs> okay. All right. So 
Now let's talk about the actual skills. And I think you alluded to it perfectly well about, you know, like for example, like being being caring, empathizing with them, right? Those some of those skills, but what would you say are other skills that um, you need to have as a teacher? Um, and how would you build those skills now? I would say that one of one of the, you know, there are many skills that you definitely need, but I think one of the most important one um, is organ, organizing, right? You've got to have organizing skills. You've got to be really good at organizing because, again, you have 200 students, you have six different sections, and you're teaching, you know, every section is probably going at their own pace, depending on who the kids are in your classroom. So if you're all over the place, the kids will know. And if you're all over the place, they are also going to be all over the place. And so it's so important, you know, to uh, be really good at organizing. So that's just one of them. But uh, you, you've mentioned one of them. I wanted to say, you know, empathy, being able to empathize with your students, because if you don't, they, again, they feel it, they see it, and they, they will learn from you. It's not because they can't, they choose not to because they can feel it, you know, and then I would probably say communication also, right, to be able to communicate with your, your kids, because if you can't, because uh, you know, it seems like it's an obvious skill and it's an easy skill, but there really isn't, right? Because if we take things really personally, right? If a kid, you know, just curse at you and you take it really personally um, and the way you communicate back, it matters, right? And if you can't communicate with your kids, it's, you know, it's it's all going to go downhill. And so I would say communication, you know, um, being able to organize, being able to empathize. So good. And so now, if you're, folks, if you're thinking about going to teaching, those are some of the hot tips right there already. How to build the skill set for teachers. Okay. So here we're going to go for a little jump for a little fun one. There were problems that you could solve, right? What would it be? How would you go about doing so? Um, you know, what is that a food crisis? Is that housing? Um, besides the pandemic that we're in right now, of course. Right, right. <laughs> You know, we have so many world problems, but one that I continue to think about all the time um, is ending, you know, any sort of exploitation or abuse of, of, of kids, our youth. Definitely our youth. That's a world problem that I wish I could just, you know, solve because our kids are, I, I see kids as gifts to the world, right? It's a reminder to, uh, it's a reminder to human being what humanity is because these kids, kids are just so innocent. You know, they, they're innocent. They, they love so easily you know and so i because they're so kind and innocent they often get taken advantage of right some kids get taken advantage of and then it's just so heartbreaking for me and so i wish i could just end again exploitation and any sort of abuse towards kids very good one i like that one a lot too okay let's turn back to the times <laughs> the hands of time a little bit you can go back to this 18 year old you who's just finished high school what would you tell him or her? Oh man, I if I could write her book, I would because <laughs> man, she was in a dark place. Uh, but yeah, if I could write her book, I would. But honestly, I think I would just say, uh, uh oh, Linda, we're, 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 um, say one more time because we just lost you there again. I, I would just say, just do it. I would tell my eighteen-year-old self to just do it. You know, because I think during that time you're often comparing yourself to your your you know your peers. Like, oh man, she's so smart. Oh man, she's so pretty. Oh man, this and that, this and that, this and that. And so it kind of holds you back. It kind of holds you back. But I, if I could, I would just tell her to just do it. You know, because you will never know until you do it. You know, if you like that boy, just do it. Ask him out. <laughs> you know, just do it. If he says no, whatever, right? Because in twenty years, guess what? It wouldn't even matter anymore. So I, I'd say just do it. Yes, that's wonderful. Just do it. Yeah. Okay. 
we're kind of coming down to the minute. So, folks, if you have questions, feel free to pop them in chat. Um, this is our only time with Linda, so please, if you have questions, go ahead and put them in chat. Now, if you weren't working in this role, you can explore another explore another career. All right, what would it be if you weren't working as a teacher? What do you see yourself doing? Don't think I, up on any money, what your husband's going to say, or you know what your kid's going to say, or the education required. So what right. Um, I, I would say I would definitely do coaching. I do want to give a shout out to Yangi Lore. I don't know if she'll see this, but she has inspired me. You know, I, I didn't know anything about the coaching world until mm -hmm. I met Yangi. And so I would definitely do coaching for mothers because, again, I think for me, everything comes down to kids. I feel like if mothers are given the right tools, you know, a space for them to really, really gather themselves and express themselves. Our kids, you know, we would have all kids that are loved. You know, all kids would know what love is. You know, we wouldn't have kids who turn out to be serial killers or <laughs> that's a bad example, but you know, I am serious. You know, I would do coaching for mothers because if we have great mothers, then, you know, we're going to have great kids. That's really good. Yes. And Yang is a inspirational, love her. She does amazing work as a coach too. So check her out too. Absolutely. Okay. Now as a person of color, right, have you experienced challenges in the workplace uh, either because of your race, ethnicity, gender, age or other barriers um how did you go about it and maybe if you didn't experience any how, what would you say to someone who did experience that in the workplace as a teacher um i would say i've been really fortunate because once again i do work in a title one school and the place where i work at we serve a large population of hispanics and then an, uh, a smaller population of african-americans and then we do have asians and then a small small population of white right but it, it's a very diverse campus that I work on. And so it's never in the, so even teachers, you know, we have teachers from all different backgrounds. And so it's, it's not a challenge at all. You know, like I don't ever feel discriminated against because of my race or my ethnicity or, you know, my language, none of that. But I would say that um, a barrier that I, you know, had early on in my career was just the fact that I, I became a teacher at 24. So very young or 23, actually. So very young. And so when you go into the teaching field, you have people who are new and then you have people who, again, they've worked there for 30 plus years. And so I walk, I went to this field just feeling really intimidated because in the room full of teachers, when you're talking there, I felt, I felt really intimidated you know, really intimidated. And so I, I don't blame the person or whoever it is that, you know, made me feel the way that I did. I, I would just put, put the blame on myself because I was so intimidated that I wanted, I, I couldn't say no. I would say yes to everything. And you know, as a mm -hmm. first year teacher, you have a lot of energy. And so because I had so much energy, uh, other teachers noticed, right? Administrators, they noticed. And so they would ask me to do things. And what, what would I say? Yes, yes, I got you, I got you, right? Mm -hmm. But eventually it kind of drained, you know, I, I was very overwhelmed. And then, um, but I actually really enjoyed what I did. But I would say the only time that this kind of, you know, went down the wrong road was when one time I had to say no. And so I was like, gosh, I have to say no. And so I had told one of my person in authority that, hey, I can't do this for you. And so it was like, well, you've got to, you've got to find someone else to do it or you do it. And I was, I remember for days, I was like overwhelmed. I would go home and I would cry to my husband, like, I don't know what to do, you know? And he's like, oh, you're just overthinking. It's just work, leave it at work. Don't bring it home, you know? And so eventually that, that that really challenged me to just say no and stick stick to it and so after that incident um you know after that incident i was more willing to challenge him and even challenge my colleagues not not from a place of like you know oh man i want to prove you that i'm right but more of a place of love and a place of where i want to make sure that 
I'm okay. You know, then I'm okay. Yeah. That is hard to do. And I think that and for any young professional out there, right, when you're entering, it doesn't matter what industry, it's easy to say yes, to be the yes person and say, I'm willing to do it. I can do right. it. I got you. Like you're saying, you know, absolutely. And it's building the confidence also to realize and manage and go, you know what? I already have a lot of things on my plate. I can commit to this much. Mm-hmm. Other ones are asking me. I just can't. Right practice that actually takes a lot of practice and courage because these are people you're looking up to who are getting much maybe seniors much further out or maybe in position of power to, for promotion right. and it's so scary to say no and it takes a lot of guts and I hear you you know a lot of people uh, experience that where they're like oh my gosh they, you know it's endless nights sleeping and thinking how am I going to find someone to do this for me or you know manage my class where I run and do this right that's really hard and um, absolutely, I hear you on that. Well, we have a lot of folks coming on this, so let's hang out for a bit there. It's so hard because it's our part in our culture, not yes. knowing how to say no. And it's yes. hard yes. to say no. Yeah. Um, maybe it should be taught how to create boundaries and how to be assertive. Absolutely. And of course, it took me a few years uh, also knowing how to say no to my employers on projects I can't take on. Of course, it definitely happens in all industries. So if you are finding yourself overwhelmed and you need to say no, say no, right? Let them know, I can't do now, can we another option? Or is there anyone else who can help you with this that, you know, can also um, make it successful? So just providing them the opportunity to go, who else? (laughs) Who else look forward to support us in this? Okay. I don't have this question pop in there, but I know I wanted to revisit this question. How do you balance being the mom? right? And being the teacher, you have three, three boys, right? And you have a, a, a husband, you got this Monday through Friday, right? Teacher time. Um, and I noticed that also teachers bring home their work. You mentioned your husband mentioned to you, hey, leave it at work. Do you find yourself bring home work? And how do you balance, you know, a 12 hour day, being mom, being teacher? How do you think all that stuff? You know, I'm actually still trying to figure out how to do that because I don't think I don't think you can just, you know, say, oh, hey, I've got it down, you know, because I love what I do. I also love my kids. And so it's kind of hard to try to find the balance. And so honestly, I think I kind of just go with the flow, which is not good. So I'm not saying, hey, guys, just go with the flow because it's not good because you're going to feel overwhelmed, but you're going to have to just find some tools that's going to help you to kind of rejuvenate. Right. And so, yeah, I, I do bring the work home. Um, again, I'm still trying to find that balance. And so I, I, I don't have any, you know, tips to tell anybody how to balance that other than uh, just practice self-care. Because if you if you don't know how to balance it yet, right, but if you just find a minute or two during your day to practice self-care, then um, you'll you'll be okay, right? Not, you're not going to be great, but you'll be okay, right? So it's just like affirmations will help, you know, quick meditations would help, just simple things like that would help. But again, that balance, I, I, I'm still working on that. I would say that um, I, I, sh- I kind of shared that on my own personal page that just in the past fall, I had to drop out of grad school. So I went back to grad school. And man, was I struggling to balance, balance work online, because it's a totally new world to do teaching online right so i was trying to balance that and then i have my two other kids at home who are also doing online and so i was trying to balance that and then at the same time i was pregnant so i was trying to balance taking care of myself too and then you know going to grad school in the evening 
through Zoom, I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. And so eventually what I did was say, you know what, step back. Why do I feel like I have to get this done now? Right. Why do I feel like I have to get it done now? Because I would be, you know, at the end of the day, even though I would be home all day, at the end of the day, I was drained. I couldn't be the mom that my kids needed. And so I had to tell myself to step back and just say no. And I put it on pause and that I will come back to it later. And so, again, I, I don't know how to balance it yet, but eventually I had to step away from something that is not a priority. That's so good. I mean, that's the, especially in the field of teachers. Um, and you mentioned self-care. Right. So in the field, of, in the industry, and, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, in California alone, we've seen in the last 10 years a high turnover rate of this occupation, meaning people came in as teachers, you know, they had that passion, like you mentioned, the fire, and then they will leave after a few years. They will go on and transition elsewhere and doing other things, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm wondering, what do you think um, contributes to that? Why do why do we have such a high turnover rate of teachers? Oh, Linda, do we have you with us? I think you might be frozen for a little a tad bit there. And if um, folks in chat, if you're listening, if again you have some thoughts and ideas about that, um, feel free to chime them in chat as well. Um, it looks like. <laughs> I was just saying that um, Linda makes it look so easy. Oh, we just lost Linda there for a bit. I think she'll try to log back in. I think she's having some Wi-Fi uh, issues today uh, with our storm that we just had. A lot of folks had lost electricity and Wi-Fi, so she'll try to hop back on. Um, the pandemic makes it more difficult. Absolutely, Kane. On average, how how much sleep do you actually get? I feel like teachers never sleep. We'll probably wait for Linda to come back, definitely, for that one. And then, of course... Uh, work-life balance is a myth. You have to think of it as a work-life in uh, integration, especially during this pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Definitely recommending looking to the five choices, choices of extraordinary productivity. Awesome. So that, the reason why I posed that question earlier is because what we've seen, I think, within the last five right now in like the education industry is that we do see a high need for teachers, um, especially in the Central Valley, too, um, where, again, I'm not, it's not, I tell folks, it's not when you have, you're coming on as an early teacher, a young professional, um, many folks don't stay in, in the Central Valley very often because it's not, you know, where many young professionals like to spend, you know, the, their, their cool days and chilling and things like that. It doesn't have a high attraction rate. That can be one thing. Uh, same with other industries too. It's not just the education. The other ones also contributing factors is um, salary and honesty. It's salary, right? And there's nothing wrong with you saying, I want more or I want to be compensated more. And I do believe that, you know, we should compensate our teachers more. Absolutely. They add such good value, uh, as you know, in the classroom to the children, the learning, the things that they have to do before, after lesson planning. And so um, definitely I would love to see in the educational industry where teachers are being compensated uh, much more. We know that they spend their own money, their own time doing above and beyond the normal work duties. So absolutely. And Krisha, self-care is everything. Sometimes you just have to take the step and take back, take back and take care of yourself. Absolutely. Okay, we have Linda coming back in. Hey, Linda, are you back in? Yes, I am. Sorry about that. It's okay. I'm glad you're able to connect again. And we were just, um, folks in chat were just chiming in a little bit. I want to make sure um, you also got a chance. Yes, um, folks ask, on average, how much sleep do you actually get? I feel like teachers never sleep. <laughs> You know, fortunately, I'm 
my husband, he's、um, he only needs like four hours of sleep a day. So he's so lucky. <laughs> I yeah, exactly. So because he chooses to live that kind of lifestyle, where because he stays up pretty late, and then he only again he only gets four hours of sleep, but he runs perfectly fine on four hours of sleep. So that really allows me to sleep in on the weekends. That's so cool. Love that.、Um, I think you know.、Um, We're just saying, like, yes, self care, and we're just. I was just mentioning about, like, you know, like what contributes to the high turnover rate of teachers. You know, we see over the last ten years, you know,、um, young teachers will come in and then they'll work, and then after a few years, they'll transition out.、Yeah. Have you experienced and seen that within your own school districts or school sites? I have not.、Uh, just because my school site, right? Just my school site. I think、uh, me and one of my colleagues, we both went in together. We were in the same cohort. We graduated, and then we were both placed at our site. And so we, the, the two of us, we were both the youngest. And so we kind of stuck together.、Um, he's exceptional at what he does. So he kind of moved away only because he wanted to go into like a more of a like a leadership position. So he's still working for the district, just at a leadership level. And so、mm-hmm. I haven't experienced that yet, but I've definitely heard,、um, you know, veteran teachers would always tell us things like that. That oh, you know, don't overwork yourself because you know, as a first year teacher, again, we don't really find that balance, and we're kind of like, hey, I have all this energy, and I want to do whatever I want. So a lot of the veteran teachers, they always tell us, hey, you want to take a break, slow down a little bit. You've got plenty of time. Slow down, spend time with your family. So they would always tell me things like that, and.、Um, They would let us know that hey, you've got these teachers that they've worked here, and then they would transfer out to a different site, or they would just leave the district entirely because they were too stressed out.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> We have some. Oh, dang! Your husband is MVP. <laughs> 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 well, I'm wondering also, like,、um, do you、um, do you when you, as a teacher right now? Are you experiencing like? Is there anything else you would have loved to teach, or is there anything on your horizon that you're like, you know what? I want to grow as a teacher in doing this in the future. I'm curious, what would it be? Hmm. <sighs> yeah. I really, really enjoy what I'm doing. Honestly, as long as my students are still there, I will continue to do what I'm doing.、Um, but for I've considered going to admin just because I want to experience what it's like. From that perspective of education, right, and I want to see if I can actually make changes for kids outside of my classroom, make some impact outside of that. Because, you know, as much as I want to do things as a teacher with my my students, sometimes we're limited, right? We don't have equipment, or sometimes you're you just can't because the district has to meet a certain number of things, and so we're kind of limited as a teacher. And so I kind of want to step into that position just to see what it's like. That's good. You can. And so, folks, we're we're gonna hear Linda run for school board member one day. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> But you should. <laughs> you should. I would vote. I would vote yes. We'll see.、Um, we'll see. You can. And I think that we need more teachers like you. We need people who are in positions to make decisions like this, whether it be budget、um, or staffing, who actually understand student needs. Like who truly understand the day in and out of a teacher, but also、um, again going back to those skill set that we were talking about. That you know, empathy. He really has an understanding of where students are coming from, their their family, their experiences, and how as a community they can all work together to improve those lives, improve and make those changes.、Right. Now, Linda, I know that besides besides mom, besides being a teacher, what you you are also.、Um, We mentioned earlier, you know,、uh, the host and founder of a circle of mothers. Tell us more about that. How did that really come into fruition, and what is your vision for it going forward? 
Yeah. So Circle of Mother is a podcast that I started off in, I started back in 2018 and it, it kind of just came about because um, it kind of ties in with what we were talking about earlier, where I, I didn't know how to find the balance between being a mom, you know, my work and being a wife and just being a person, right? Just being myself because, you know, I'm always doing other things. And so uh, because I can't find that balance, sometimes I'm pouring from an empty cup and that's not really good, right? I'm pouring from an empty cup. My kids, they feel it. They see it. And so they start to act out the way I do. And so that's when I started reflecting and realizing that I need to work on this part of my um life, you know, being a mom. And so I also realized that there are other moms out there that are also struggling, right? They're also struggling because we don't really have platforms for mother to speak. When we think of moms, or if you just look at social media, or just any sort of entertainment, or any sort of, um, let's see, uh, shows or whatever it is online, everything, right? You'll see that mothers display us as happy, awesome role. And that's not really true. And if, you know, if you speak against that, it's like a taboo where it's a taboo. It's like, well, you know, you're a mom, you're supposed to be self-sacrificing, you know? And so thinking about all these things, I came up with the idea of a podcast where I can just gather mothers and just kind of share, right? Just kind of share because we all want to be able to talk about it. We all want to be able to share about what we went through, you know, and we want, we want to inspire or we want to support other mothers as well. But I would say I really started this podcast really for me, because I really wanted to improve. I really wanted to learn from other mothers. And then at the same time, again, I started to see that other people needed a podcast like this. So that's great. And again, if you're interested, go check out Linda's work over at Soap of Mothers. They can, you, but where can folks find you, um, Linda? Where can they find this podcast? It would be on Facebook. So if you just go on Facebook, just type in Circle of Mothers, it would pop up on there. Wonderful. And I think that another, again, and you're saying like, absolutely, when you're a teacher, whether it's for, whether it's now or later, you know, you got to do self-care, you got to do all the stuff. So that way you're taking care of yourself. You know, you're in a classroom, like you mentioned, you can be in a day where you're working in a classroom, 19 students to 39 students, right? And you're juggling multiple hats. Um, that's huge. It's, I don't think teachers, um, a day is a light day. Like as in like, oh, you know, it's going to be an easy day. You know, all the kids are going to do, they're going to ace all their exams. Right? <laughs> I don't think that teachers actually experience that. Uh, if they do, it's very rare. Uh, every day is, you know, teaching is probably, I would say, very challenging. Um, it's a mix, but it's also can be potentially very rewarding. Um, when we have, I work with a lot of students as well, uh, but of course, much further along down the road uh, with the university students. And we have, uh, every time my student says, I want to go into teaching. I'm like, great, awesome. Have you done any teaching experience? Did you ever tutor? Did you ever babysit? Any experience at all working with kids and youth? No? Great, you're gonna sign up for one. So <laughs> I will have them go to the local, you know, communities or local, wherever, you know, um, a school district that's nearby where they live, go volunteer to be a teacher's aide. Half of them will come back and say, oh, my goodness, I love it. It's wonderful. It's my calling. I knew this was the path for me. It's exactly what I want to do. I know the next step. I'm going to go get my credential, go work on my master's, come back and teach at, you know, whatever city or school district. I'm like, great, awesome. Other half of the students will come back and go, oh, that was horrible. I'll never do teaching. This is not like the kids were peeing in their pants. You know, you have the whole or like the, the, the realization that these are going to be. I'm like, good. You discover you're not going to be a teacher. And that's OK. Right. Right. <laughs> because if you don't have, again, like those skills, like, I would, like you were mentioning, like the empathy. Empathy is so important to connect with students. Then 
this is not going to be the career for you and it's okay. But there are other teaching related roles out there that might be helpful. Like again, like other administrative roles in the education industry, but not everyone has, uh, I tell folks, it's just like the doctors, not everyone has the hands, right? right. To, to be in that profession and that's okay, but there are many other professions and yes, the teachers um, are the front facing. They're they work directly with youth, and so they you have to, you know empathy, understanding, communication is our skill set. I would say that um, you, every teacher uh, should have. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got to jump down to a quick. Art season's on. Checked out. Mr. Go Linder's podcast, working for much learning about work life balance. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> All right, so we're coming down to the last questions here. Uh, this is the last one. Uh, what are the two career tips that you would like to share with job seekers, whether they are going to potentially go into teaching one day or maybe they have some teaching experience already? What are some of the tips you have for them if they're interested in becoming a teacher? You know, I would piggyback on what you said to definitely go out there and experience it first, right? Because if you're going in teaching for the pay, pay <laughs> you're not going to want to stay, right? If you're going and teaching, you know, believing that all you, you have to do is just stand there and talk and, yo, you know, you're going to have all these kids who are just going to learn. It's not going to work like that, right? Because like I mentioned earlier, it's really challenging because kids come with many, many, many backstories. And so you need to be able to um, empathize with them. And you need to know that I'm in it for the kids, right? But again, if you're in it for the pay or in it because you just love teaching, it might not work out, right? So definitely go out there. I say volunteer, 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 shadow a teacher, right? Um, Even start off with after school program. They have a lot of roles in the after school program. And um, where I work at, um, our after school program this begins from two to six. And during this time, you can work as a tutor, you will help kids with their homework. And you know, they do a lot of discipline as well in, in after school, right? Because especially in my site, again, um, these kids, they typically stay after school because mom and dad work very late, you know, or they don't want to go home. And so they are there. So you're working with kids that are really challenging. And so go out there, volunteer, volunteer, get a job that will probably introduce you to the field, have a better idea and see if you can work with kids. So if you can work with kids, then you can teach, right? If you can't work with kids, (laughs) you cannot teach. That's, that's one advice Mm -hmm. I would give, you know, the other one would be to just network, 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 right? So if you volunteer, 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 your skill sets are going to grow, you're going to meet more people, and more people are going to push you help you to get somewhere. You know, you'll, you'll start to learn what are the things that I like to do? What are the things that I'm good at? And that's going to really help you to figure out what it is that you want to do. That's so good. And absolutely. So teaching and getting that experience, direct experience with youth or kids. And of course, networking. Absolutely. That's so wonderful. I know our time is wrapping up here with folks. Oh my goodness. Like I, like I mentioned, oh my God, an hour goes by so fast. <laughs> But folks, if you have any last questions, feel free to pop them in chat. Otherwise, um, I just want to thank Linda so much. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, and just really walking us through those steps of like, you know, being a teacher, the challenges, you know, the rewards and experiences, um, helping us understand better about a career in teaching and why it's still very vital today. Like, again, the teaching and the education industry is projected to grow more. We need more teachers. We need more teachers in STEM. We need more teachers who are ready and competent to enter the workforce, who's gonna really be there to be someone's hero, to be someone's mentor, to to be that person that says, I understand you. And so that's so wonderful. And I really deeply appreciate your time. I know you're a busy mom and I really appreciate that you're taking the time to share with us about you know your love and passion in teaching. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Eva, for having me here. It's an honor to be able to come here and talk about being a teacher, you know, because I, I don't think that often teachers are seen as professionals. And so, you know, your podcast is called Meet the Pros. And so, hey, I'm one of the professionals. And so it's an honor to be here. Yeah, no problem. And you're always more than welcome to come back. <laughs> when, and, and when you become that scoop, remember, <laughs> <laughs> or any other positions out there. Um, so again, I really appreciate that. Thank you, folks. Uh, thank you all for hanging out with us on the live stream or catching us on the replay. I really appreciate that. Um, really quick. If you have any questions, feel free to put them in chat um, for folks out there. If you're interested, hang uh, hangover or swing by the website. There are resume kits and networking. I call it our communicator kit. So if you're interested, you can download those. It won't cost you anything, but it gives you some really cool tips and strategies on how to network, as well as also tips on writing your resume. So again, if you're interested in that, check that out. Okay. All right. Thank you all so much. Have a good one, everyone, and stay safe. Bye, everyone.